Paul's letter to the Colossians, in chapter 1, starting at verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life, life worthy of the Lord, and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Our theme this morning is uh, maturing disciples. How it is we go about maturing as disciples of Christ. And uh, as we come to the Lord's word, as we prepare to hear him address us, both as individuals but also corporately, let's pray for his help. So Heavenly Father, as we uh, come uh, before you now as your people, as uh, your word is opened and uh, we hear you speak to us through it, we pray you'd give us uh, ears to hear and we pray you'd give us hearts to uh, respond appropriately to what we hear. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, as you know, Philippa and I and the family, we're reasonably new to uh, Oxford, and uh, one of the things that uh, I've had to get used to uh, since uh, arriving in Oxford is uh, cycling. Uh, that wasn't part of my uh, sort of uh, history particularly, and, uh, but of course you can't get anywhere in Oxford without a bike. So I have over the last two years um, sort of relearned, as it were, how to, uh, how to cycle. And of course the first rule of cycling is, uh, the first rule of bikes I guess, is that uh, they're only stable when they're doing what it is they're built to do, which in the case of bikes of course is moving forwards. Uh, it is much more difficult to stay on a bike when it is stationary. And I think what Paul says here in verses 9 to 14 is that there's a similarity between the Christian life and riding a bike, at least in this respect. And that is, as Christians, we're only sort of stable, as it were, if we're doing what we were built to do. And that is to say, moving forwards. What the Bible says consistently, I think, is that if we're not moving forwards as Christians, then we're in danger of falling off. The Christian life, you see, is meant to be dynamic. It's meant to be one of growth, one of uh, a process of maturing. One of the images that the New Testament uses for the Christian life is the growth of an infant into a mature adult. Because when we turn to Jesus in faith, when we become Christians, we are spiritually born again. Which is to say that we are delivered into Christ's kingdom as spiritual babies. And like all babies, we are born to grow. Samuel here is, of course, born to grow. One of the great signs that he is a healthy baby is that he will be growing. He'll be growing in weight. He'll be growing in height. Well, so too Christians, the Bible says. We, will be, we should be growing. We should be maturing. It is the great sign of spiritual health that we are maturing as disciples. 
And the point that Paul makes in uh, Colossians 1, uh, 9 to 14, is this. The key to growth is the gospel. Did you see that in verse 9? The key to growth is the gospel. The gospel, indeed, is the source of our growth. The gospel, the good news that through faith in Christ we are fully forgiven. We are adopted into God's family as his sons and his daughters. We are filled with his spirit and we are free to begin to lead a new life with Jesus as Lord. The gospel is the key to growth, says Paul. And we know that's key because it's what Paul prays for these new Christians in Colossae. Do you remember? He's heard about these people in Colossae who have come to faith in Jesus. His friend Epaphras has told them all about it in verses 3 to 9, 3 to 8. And Paul then prays for them in verses 9 to 14. And notice what he prays for. He doesn't pray for something they haven't got. He prays that they would grow deeper in their understanding of what they have got in Jesus Christ. Have a look at verses 9 and 10. Paul says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, that is these new Christians, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through, or better, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. So do you see what's happening here? Paul is praying that God would fill them up with the knowledge of his will, which doesn't mean, I think, that they would know increasingly his sort of specific will for their individual lives. Rather, I think Paul is talking about growing in their grasp of God's overarching rescue plan for his people, revealed in the Bible, brought to completion in Jesus Christ. In other words, they would grow in their understanding of the gospel, who Jesus is and what he has done for his people. And he prays this. Did you notice in order that they might get a first-class degree in theology. Oh, no, he doesn't, does he? Verse 10. He doesn't pray that. He prays it in order that they might grow in Christian maturity, or, as Paul puts it, live a life worthy of the Lord. Christians are born to grow, and the gospel is what grows them. And that is key. The gospel is not knowledge for the sake of knowledge. It is not an end. It is a means to an end, mature discipleship. A deep understanding of the gospel is the bedrock on which the maturing Christian life is built. The truths of the gospel transform lives. And that is because the gospel holds out to us the life-giving, life-transforming person and work of Jesus. The Bible is the principal means by which Jesus influences us personally. These are his words which he speaks to us as we read them in the power of the Spirit. They are powerful, transforming words. They are the food that Christ uses to grow us from spiritual infancy towards spiritual maturity. As we work their life-transforming message of grace into every area of life. I was reading an article just this week that was talking about how the gospel uh, does this, how the truths of the gospel transform our lives, even in the difficult, the sticky, the nitty-gritty areas of life. He he made several points. I'll I'll mention one or two. One of them is this. When we turn to Christ, Christ says we become new creations. 
New creations. That's the truth of the gospel. And he went on to say, that is a transforming truth as you take it in and, and, you, and you work it out. As you think about what that actually means for us to be new creations. He gave a couple of examples. It means that our past does not define us. Because when we came to Christ, we became new creations. It means our past doesn't confine us. It means our past doesn't determine our future. Similarly, as we work through what it means to be truly forgiven by God, it means that we can live free of all guilt, trusting that God will be gracious to us. And in turn, that knowledge frees us to be able to truly, deeply, profoundly forgive others who've wronged us. And so we can be released from the burdens of bitterness and anger, and so on. Do you see how these truths of the gospel, when we work them out in our lives, transform us? So we are to be filled up, but not like a bucket. We're to be filled up rather like a watering can, filled up with the gospel so that it can flood out and irrigate every part of our lives with its life-giving, life-transforming power. And that's the difference between someone who is merely clever and someone who is spiritually wise. Spiritual wisdom is right knowledge rightly worked out in life. You know, you've you'll heard about this, uh, I'm sure you've heard this illustration of the tomato. You know, the clever person knows that a tomato is a fruit, uh, but a wise person knows never to put it in a fruit salad. And that's right, isn't it? It is right knowledge, but it's also rightly working out in life. Well, it's the same with the gospel. Paul is praying they would grow in their knowledge of God and his grace, his plans and his purposes, so that they can work it out in life and be grown by it. Now, do you see, verses 9 and 10 help us to avoid two big mistakes when it comes to spiritual maturity. Here's the first First mistake, we can grow in our Christian life without working hard at our Christian thinking. And Paul here says, no, no way. If we shun our study of the Bible, if we shun the discipline of trying to think Christianly increasingly about our lives, about uh, the life that we're living, whatever, we will be spiritually stunted. It's no coincidence that verse 9 comes before verse 10. Because what we think precedes and determines how we live, doesn't it? And as we learned last week, it is the gospel that bears fruit in our lives. And so the more we take it in, the more we live it out. As one writer said, we cannot be influenced by that which we do not know. We cannot be influenced by that which we do not know. So we mustn't shun study of the Bible. But similarly, here's a second mistake we can make. We can think that Bible knowledge is spiritual maturity. And Paul won't let us equate them like that in verses 9 and 10. Simply knowing lots about the Bible does not make us spiritually mature. We need to take that knowledge and it needs to be processed and worked out in, in right living. It's a bit like food. You know, the Bible often likens itself to food. It's an analogy it often uses for itself. And just as food is a thing that grows us, but of course, food on a plate 
just staring at it doesn't grow us, does it? You've got to take the food, you've got to put it in your mouth, you've got to chew it, you've got to swallow it. The body has got to process it, and the blood has got to take it to all the various cells in the body so that it can actually get in and do its job of growing you. Well, so it is with the scriptures. The scriptures must not just be taken into the mind, but they must be processed, taken into the heart, and pushed into every area of the life. What does the Bible say about this part of my life, this part of my life, this part of my life, my work, my leisure, my relationships, my etc., etc.? It's as we take the truths of the gospel and let them transform every area of our life that we become mature in Christ. Do you see? Paul doesn't play off intellectual understanding against spiritual maturity, and neither does he equate them, and neither must we. One writer said this, Christian growth happens by working hard to live in the reality of the gospel truths about us and God. And that's right. And that's what we try to do here at St. Andrews. We want to be a church that encourages each other to go deeper in our understanding of the Bible and in our commitment to working it out connecting God's grace to every part of our lives such that we will spiritually flourish. But what does spiritually maturing look like? What does it look like to spiritually flourish? You know, it's easy if you're a young person, if you're a child, um, if you've had a, a child, you'll be given something like this. This red book will ring bells to some of you. I don't know what color it is in Oxford, but anyway, the one we got was red. And in it is all sorts of charts. And every couple of weeks, you know, the district nurse comes along and they mark their weight against the chart and they mark their height against the chart. And that's, they, can, they can sort of see if the child is flourishing by how they're doing on the charts. Well, the question for us is, what does spiritually flourishing look like? And we don't need to guess because Paul tells us. He unpacks verse 10 in, by using four words, and they'll appear on the screen here. My face is a little bit fuzzier than I was hoping, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what we'll say. But if we can have the screen, if it's possible, uh, just before that, the one before that, if we can. There, I've marked them in red. So the text, I've marked in red the four words that we know from the Greek Paul is using to unpack verse 10, to, to show us what spiritually mature life is. And next slide will be great, thank you. So four marks of a maturing Christian. The first is that we'll be bearing fruit in every good work. That's the first mark of a maturing Christian, bearing fruit in every good work. The Bible often uses the image of a fruit tree to uh, picture the Christian life. It is, I think I've got a fruit tree, have I, on the next slide? I forget, well, there was one. I'm not sure that's a fruit tree, but it's the best I could do. Um, it's the nature of a healthy fruit tree to bear fruit. And we learned last week that the gospel bears fruit. Therefore, it is the nature of a healthy Christian to bear fruit. Uh, that fruit, I think, Paul has in mind here, basically growing in Christ-likeness, becoming increasingly like him in everything that we do and everything that we think. Now, friends, don't mishear me this morning. This is absolutely key. We do not earn our salvation. And that is the whole gospel. It is a gift of God we receive by faith. We do not earn it, but we must express it. Because it is the nature of the gospel to bear fruit. And so uh, an increasingly Christ-like life is one of the markers that the gospel is at work in us. Growing in fruitfulness. Next slide, thank you. Growing in knowledge. He says, growing in the knowledge of God. Think of a growing tree. Back to that slide. Next slide, which I think is a tree. Think of uh, the growing tree. The roots go down, don't they? And they take in nutrients, and the tree grows. And as it grows, it produces more leaves and more fruit, which, of course, allows it to grow up, to send down deeper roots, so that it can take up more nutrients. And then it grows still further. It's in a sort of a virtuous spiral of growth. And that's what Paul says here in this prayer. 
He reminds us that knowing God is an upward spiral in which right learning and right living reinforce each other. So the knowledge of God that's held out in the gospel of grace is the source of our Christian living. But as we grow in Christian living, as we become more and more like Jesus under his influence, so we're better prepared to know him better as we read the scriptures, because we come to the scriptures ever more Christ-like. Do you see? So, so right learning and right living constantly reinforce each other to grow, to grow us. Third, next slide, we'll be growing in strength, verse 11. He says we'll be being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so we might have great endurance and patience. God's work is for us. God's work is in us. He empowers us. It's very striking, the two things particularly, Paul says, uh, are the marks of a growing Christian here, that God will empower us in our endurance and in our patience. The focus of endurance is circumstances. Uh, it's, it's the idea that we will increasingly stand firm in difficult circumstances. And the focus of patience is people. will increasingly be gracious and uh, towards people we find difficult. Endurance, patience. That is the way God is at work in us. That is a, a mark of the maturing Christian. Growing in endurance, growing in patience. Fourthly, finally, he says we'll be growing in gratitude. Growing in gratitude for the gospel. Have a look down, 12 to 14. He says, We'll be joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul takes us back to the beginning. And he reminds us of the great gospel truths that turn us around and then that continue to transform us in the Christian life. He says, in Jesus, we are made children of God, sons and daughters of God. We're qualified for heaven. We're delivered from spiritual darkness. We're transferred into the kingdom of Jesus. We're rescued. We're forgiven. And the maturing Christian is one who is growing in gratitude for the gospel because we know that it is through these liberating, life-giving truths of the gospel that Jesus is working to transform us from the inside out. One writer said this, Christian growth does not happen first by behaving better, but believing better. In other words, we will grow as we increase our understanding of the implications of the gospel truths. For it's those truths that give us both the reason and also the resources we need to grow. Next slide. Back to that tree. If we are the tree, then the gospel is the ground in which the tree grows. It is the soil of the gospel that supports the tree, that strengthens the tree, that causes the tree to grow as the tree sends down roots into it. And just as a tree removed from the soil will very quickly wither, so too a Christian who stops digging down into the gospel we will very quickly wither. We don't move on from the gospel, Paul says. We go deeper in the gospel. And it is that, as we work it out in our life, that leads to Christian maturity. As I close, it's striking actually, as you step back, as you read verses 1 through 14 together, what you find is that Paul says that the way disciples are made 
verses 3 to 8, is the way disciples are matured. The gospel was given, they turned to it, received it, accepted it, put their faith in Jesus, and they grew in their love for one another. Well, Paul says that is the way we are matured. We continue to grow in the gospel, continue to take it on board, continue to work it in. We grow in our faith, we grow in our love, we grow in our fruit. So at St. Andrews, as I close, we are passionate about helping Christians grow in their faith so that they will become increasingly healthy, mature disciples of Christ. And therefore, as a church, we put a high priority on preaching and teaching the gospel of grace. We want the good news of Jesus as Lord and Savior. We want to work it into every area of our life. We seek Sunday by Sunday to clearly and faithfully teach God's word in a way that connects it to our everyday life in all its joys and its sorrows, in all its strengths and its struggles, and thereby bring Jesus to bear and allow him to transform us and to mature us. We do that as we gather corporately. We do it as we gather in small groups. It's great to be part of a small group where you can get to know a group of people uh, over time, really get to know them, where we can genuinely share life together and our struggles of faith and or life. And our small groups uh, have the Bible at their center so that we can be speaking the gospel of grace into each other's real lives. We run things like the More course here, which is a correspondence theology course. There'll be one starting again in a few weeks' time. And the aims of the More course is that as we deepen our understanding of the Christian truths, they will equip us in our Christian lives and in our practical services. We run courses on marriage and parenting, family, various other sorts of courses that aim to connect the gospel of grace with life as we lead it. And of course, we encourage one another in our personal Bible study and prayer as well, pointing out resources and helping each other to keep going in the gospel personally. We are a church that longs uh, that we might, as we work in the gospel of grace, work it out in uh, ever-growing maturity in him. Let's pray for God's help as we do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words uh, that you have seen fit to have uh, passed down to us, and you have spoken to us this morning. Uh, from the Apostle Paul. And we do pray now, Father, that we would have, uh, by your grace, a desire to grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. And we pray that you would help us do that as we grow deeper in our understanding of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done for us by faith in him. We pray these truths would move from our head to our heart, that we would work them out in every area of life, that we might live a life worthy of you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.